And welcome back to another episode of Blossom Town. We are your host. I am Steve. He is Wally. He is David. Before I toss it over to the boys to see how it has been the last few days, we want you to know this episode is brought to you by TabEase.com, the premier Delta 8 edible on the market, T-A-B-E-A-S-E.com. Make sure you use promo code FOOTBALL for 20% off that order as well as free shipping. Wally, I'll toss it to you because I haven't seen you in the longest. How have you been? How was your week? How are the pens looking? Doing really well. I'm I'm happy to be back. I took just a, a day off on Monday, middle of the season with the Raiders bye week. Felt like it made sense to take a break now since we'll be running two shows for the next four or five months. Pens are doing well. They did blow a lead in game three, so they're 2-0-1. But I'll take five points to start the year. I'm pretty fired up about that. How about you, David? How are you doing? I know that you're feeling similar to me that there's only one baseball team worth of shit rooting for now. Oh, yeah, 100%. Go Padres, the only team that matters currently. Amen. Yeah, I know. I'm doing well. I can't wait for the Browns bye week. I might do what you did because one, I need a break from the Cleveland Browns and and that sounds nice. It was seriously, like I went in, I told these guys on, I think Thursday or Friday last week, just like, Hey, if you guys are both going to be here, I just need a mental breather. And it made watching football on Sunday so much more refreshing to just kind of enjoy it and drink it in as a fan for a minute. And instead of like dissecting and trying to analyze everything, so I definitely recommend it to you guys when that comes up, especially now that we have three people. Steven, how about you? Well, how are you doing, buddy? Well, we barely want to talk about our teams when they're playing. They're playing like shit, all three of us. So, yeah, the bye week, we have to take that opportunity to just get the hell out of Dodge. And like you said, be a, be an NFL fan. Yeah, we're fans every single Sunday, but it's almost like that little little hint of work that we have on top of it to kind of keep our senses, which never really do well. Thank God for YouTube and the highlights. But overall, not too bad. Had a good weekend, as I had here on Monday with David. It was beautiful. I got the golf, got the king bed to myself. But now I've been working from home all week, so the dog's been bothering the hell out of me. But it's getting too cold. Is it too early to bitch about how cold it is? See, this is still big guy weather for me, where I'm loving the 40 to 60 degrees. But I I just have to point out, it is so funny to me to see how different the misery levels are for the three of us, because they're all different, where – Raiders, massive expectations going into the year. One and four, I want to die. David, they're a Cleveland Browns team, so the Browns, they're going to do what the Browns do. They have a media circus in the offseason. Disappointing play during the year. He wants to be dead. And now Steven gets to join us in the flip, where albeit he's only three and three, we're seeing – it's a lot like me as a Penguins fan. You're feeling the end of a dynasty. And even though they only won one championship, you know what I mean by dynasty. They're a perennial yeah. contender – they have a Hall of Fame quarterback, and you just feel it kind of coming to an end. So you want to die. So I, it just it's a fun dynamic right now on the pod. It's just misery all over. That's a great segue into our NFL news that we have here. I want to die because the Broncos keep getting put on prime time. I do not know why. I think we have like three or four more games this year with that. With that being said, they lose in barn burner. They recall that. That's what they would call it in Denver. Uh, 19 to 16 to Los Angeles Chargers. Russell Wilson, he looks horrible. He ended with 188 total passing yards. 116 of those came in the first quarter. This game also went to overtime, just for the record. This was a bad game. I like the Chargers getting back on top. They weren't really looking too, too strong, but Broncos now dropped to two and four. Wally could not be hitting the nail any more on the head these first six weeks about all the Russ and Denver hate. He looks like a genius. Between that and Geno Smith, get this fucking dude on ESPN. That's all I got to say. 
David, I'll toss it to you first. Did you, I know you didn't enjoy the Monday night football game, so I won't ask how much you enjoyed it, but what were your takeaways? If, if you had any. Two takeaways that have nothing to do with the actual football played on the field. Kind of one Russell Wilson is allergic to being normal this week. I think it was this week or maybe, maybe right after the game, the Broncos come out and say that he's got like a torn shoulder and it's, or whatever it is. And it's so much worse than we, we heard. And that's why he's playing so terrible. And then Russell Wilson comes out and says he's fine. And he, he thinks he has Wolverine blood. And I am. What does that so, even mean? I think it means he thinks he's invincible. I don't know. All I want to do is test it with a silver bullet and see how he comes out on the other end. Uh, I don't know how this man survived this long in the NFL without, us finding out he is the cringiest weirdest loser that's ever existed but anyways on to more football related things jc jackson i saw a stat yesterday i believe it was that jc jackson's opponent's qb rating when he's in coverage has been like in the 40s 50s 60s like super low the last couple of years it is 145 this year Oh, damn near perfect. Like I, why that's like worst corner in the NFL stuff. And the guy just got an $80 million contract. That's shocking. Well, he had off season ankle surgery that it was, it was like ankle or soldier surgery. Can we, can we throw any of the blame on that? Or is he really just that bad? I don't know because that's not, that's not ligaments. That's not damage that, that, that stuff that you, as a corner, you really need your legs. Like your ankle recovers unless it's like an Achilles or a hamstring or, you know, a muscle group, not a bone. That's, I don't think that's excusable. Okay. The other thing with that, I think we have to factor in is how often now have we seen in the last two decades, a player leave the new England Patriots defense just to go and underachieve after getting a massive payday, wherever they go, Five years, $75 million. That's a lot of money. And the guy didn't even play at the end of the, after the first half. And he was even quoted after the game of saying he felt defeated. It was, that was the kind of game it was where Melvin Gordon was talking about how sad and how hurt he was that he was getting made fun of on the board. And JC Jackson was, I feel defeated right now. There are so many problems in the AFC West. And this game really summarized that up. I mean, if it wasn't for a muff punt, there were four three and outs in overtime. This game had tied written all over it. And to your point about Russell Wilson and the, the shooting him with the silver bullet Wolverine style, there was a key and peel skit a few years ago of this old former FBI agent. And he's just like, go ahead, shoot me. He's like, I'll, I'll dodge it. And he gets shot and he's like, oh, you missed. And it like goes right through him. You see it right through the back. That's the same exact thing. He's like, I'm Mr. Unlimited. I'm fine. Two and four, let's ride. We're all fine, everybody. So yeah, this was, you know, I'd love to tell you it was fun for me, which it kind of is. Secretly, Raiders fans all over are enjoying these. But to know we have th three more standalone games for Denver this year, Credit to you guys for bringing up flexes earlier in the year because that's so true because this is not good. This is so bad for the NFL. Wally, I have one question for you that might bring up some nightmares, right? So, so what are your thoughts on 
I think that this JC Jackson stuff is giving me shades of Nandi awesome Namdi Asamoah when he went to Philly. And first name I, I thought thoughts of. on that. I mean, there's a lot of truth to that. I there's I can't tell you off the top of my head how often does any all pro or even high end caliber cornerback go to a different system and it translate. It's really, really rare. It's typically your nickel cornerbacks or guys that can play all over the field. It's not the shutdown guys. Even guys like Darrell Revis, guys like Champ Bailey, Nomdi Awesomewall. You get these kind of players and they go into new systems. That's tough. Although I do have to say I love Nomdi to this day, as you very well know. That was bad. That was the Philly dream team, though. For the record, to your point, David, Russ has always been this cringy, poser, wannabe type of guy. But when he wins, who cares? Because if you look back on, like, the LOB days, people were just basically just blasting him. He's like, yo, this dude's white. Like, quote, this this is a white guy. Or I think it was, like, Richard Sherman or Earl Thomas saying he just wasn't black enough. He has been this cringy and this hard to watch socially for as long as I can remember. But you were able to kind of – turn the other cheek because you're like, yeah, but this guy can throw a hell of a football. Did you guys hear this week on that Richard Sherman podcast, Marshawn Lynch talk about how even teammates can't get a hold of him unless they go through his manager because they don't have his phone number. That's terrible. You're the quarterback of the team. If the 53rd man on that team wants to be able to reach out to you, they should have that ability to, this is a problem let alone Marshawn Lynch, a guy that I think he ended up quote or being quoted saying, I went to, I went to war with you. I should be able to get onto your phone. Yeah. I don't know who Russell Wilson thinks that he is. He has like this diva esque wide receiver. No dude. You're just, you just aren't him. You're just not that guy, pal. Like you're, you're not cool. Russell Wilson is the epitome of that one kid. We all went to high school with and then we fed him like Sprite and you're like, yeah, dude, that's tequila. And he's like, whoa, I'm feeling drunk. It's like, you're actually not. That's fucking Sprite. We've been feeding you for three hours. Fucking virgin. Now get out of here. That's like your friend contacting your father to, to get a hold of you. Like, how does that, I don't like, why? Like what, what does that, who's on your team is texting you or stalking you that you think that you need to like have a fucking diversion, get a separate cell phone. If you don't want to deal with people after, you know, you left a facility. I just like, do I don't, think, I don't understand. Do you think future was calling him too much to like talk shit about how he was banging Sierra and that's what led to it. You <laughs> see, it's funny that you brought up future. You took it a different angle, but I just was thinking this is Russell Wilson who believes that he's on the star level of Sierra. And he's just like, Oh, if you have to have managers to talk to my wife, I also need managers to talk to me. I'm Mr. Unfucking limited. Dude, if I was his wife, I would have my I would have him go through my manager to talk to me. He's such a <laughs> fucking dweeb. Do you think that he would make Jesus talk to his manager, or do you think that he can get in direct contact with him? Well, Jesus obviously doesn't. He's always like him in direct contact with Jesus. He's he's always like if you listen to him, he thinks he is Jesus half the time. Well, Jesus is literally sitting there. He's just like, hey, thank you all the time. I really appreciate this opportunity. Jesus doesn't like the guy. I, and I, that is Straight clear up. at this point. It's like, fuck, he's calling me again. Yeah. No, no, oh babe, I, I, ha- I have to take this. The last six times I took it to voicemail. I'm going to have to take this one on the chin. And hey, what's up, Russell? Yep, yep. So, yeah, I saw both those really awesome Subway commercials that don't make you look weird at all. 
before we hop on to the next one, shout out to, to Dustin Hopkins. This dude has has to be like a torn, a strain of whatever of, a, of his kicking leg hamstring goes on to kick the game-winning field goal. I think he ended up missing one other field goal, but he I think he went four or five, three or four, something like that. I know it says four or four, but I promise you the dude missed it because I was like, one of these had to be missed. But the first one he makes, he, the dude can't stand up. And then when Brandon Staley is asked what the situation is at halftime, he goes, it's not a day-to-day. It's a minute-by-minute basis that we're going to evaluate this. What an answer. Dustin Hopkins, I will say this. He milked it for all it's worth. Going to the ground after each kick, he must have missed an extra point or something because he went four for four. But, uh, I, I mean, credit to him, I suppose, because – he did hit all these. He went down like he got shot on D-Day, storming the beaches of Omaha. But the Chargers won, and Lord knows there was not going to be any other way for a team to win this game outside of a field goal kick. So credit to him, credit to the Chargers. They got it done in Denver West. The next story we have here, the Tennessee Titans and Nashville are combining here to get a new $2.1 billion stadium set to open in 2026. We have a dome. Anywhere from 55 to 60,000 capacity with 170 luxury suites, a 30 year lease. It's a damn near a mortgage right there. But Nashville gets to keep their Titans. They get, I think it's weird having a dome in that area. I think it never really gets that cold or really snowy. I, I don't understand a dome in the, in the Southern states that don't really get overly hot during the season or overly cold. But nonetheless, I'm, I'm always here for a new stadium. This makes me want to go to, the stadium they have now, just so I can go to both of them and just say that I could say that I did. Wally, what are your thoughts about this new billion dollar, $2 billion stadium that's set to open here in a couple of years? Yeah. 2026. I was initially surprised like you, because this isn't that new or old of a stadium Nissan stadium. That is, I think it opened up in 99 when they moved over from Houston. So it's relatively new. It's 23 years in the making it's really turning into a theme now we see in sports where these, they just have to have the newest stuff. It helps you not only with getting players in free agency, but they're going to be pushing for NCAA tournaments, Final Fours, SEC tournaments, concerts in the winter. It's a giant revenue stream now. So you can't have these buildings that are used 10 times a year anymore. That's moving out, that is getting phased out. People like me, old man yells at cloud that likes outdoor football. It's disappearing. I've got to suck it up. These are really cool stadiums. I'll give it that. And I got to imagine Nashville is pretty damn excited about it. 2026, that's not far away for this stadium to be ready. No, it's not far at all. I think, Stephen, to answer your question, the dome is kind of like Wally was saying. That's that's just it's it's a guarantee to get you a Super Bowl, to get you a bowl game to get you in NC, like he said, NCAA basketball games. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a guarantee for all of those things. All you have to do is start booking the events. So, I mean, that's why everything you're going to see that's not in like Miami, Florida is going to be built in a dome going forward. It's just, it's that simple. Quick question for you guys. I, I want to hear your take. The only part about what you read off, Stephen, that kind of struck me before is that 55 to 60,000, doesn't that seem pretty light? Is that just because you think they're trying to, have other amenities in the stadium to make it extra nice? Or is this more of a, Hey, this way we know we're always going to sell out, blah, blah, blah. Both. 
I think I think that's low. I mean, also you got to kind of think of. I'm thinking of Lambeau Field. I'm pretty sure that they're clocking in like almost around that eighty thousand mark. Mm -hmm. So that's where I kind of put my basis at. But well, I mean, let's go here. You got the Steelers at just at sixty-eight five. You got the Raiders at sixty-five flat. Cowboys around eighty. You got the Chiefs, Panthers, Broncos, Washington, all you know in that seventy-six thousand plus. Okay. Yeah, so fifty-five to sixty thousand. That would be the lowest capacity stadium in the NFL, which I find is weird with Nashville being such, I would think a good marketable place. You have a lot of eyes kind of like almost like a poor man, Chicago or New York almost, but still getting a lot of viewership. I find it very low. And like you said, a country concert only fitting 55 to 60,000 people in Tennessee are coming to Nashville for it. I don't see that happening. Well, what capacity do they have now? I guess it's going to be close to 70 at Nissan. Maybe I'm a little high. Oh. Yeah. 69-143. So they're gonna they're gonna lose. They're planning on losing almost ten thousand seats. Like the, the one seventy luxury suite. I don't know if that's a high number, but that's why I initially wrote that down here. I feel like it, they're almost over. It, it's the death of the average man's football team. You're starting to go into well. They got the oil big high end money. My guess, my guess is why, why it's small is because they can't build it bigger on the plot of land that they're mm -hmm. already on. And in order to put luxuries and whatever else they want to do in the stadium, they have to cut seating is my guess. Well, at least if you're a Nashville resident, you're not paying for this unless you're going to the games. They're doing pretty cool ways of taxing this for like hotel tax. So for like foreign people coming in foreign as if the, the people coming from Cincinnati or all over the world, but people out of state are coming in. That's the tax in stadium this one's a little ridiculous but it's like a 50 percent increase but it's only until the stadium is built so there's little cool ways that you avoid actually having this affect you at home tax wise which is a nice new change after what we've seen for such a long time uh oh i know you hear that boys that's right it's a 911 rapid fire. Had to get cheesy on you. Let's keep it quick here. I got the first story here for the rapid fire. Jack Easterby fired from the Houston front office. He's the head, head of football operations. Shout out to DeAndre Hopkins sending out tweets laughing about how this man was fired. Why was it funny? Because DeAndre Hopkins was traded, I want to say, within the first half season that this man was there. What did he do the next season? He cut J.J. Watt. He's looking stupid because Houston's been in a dumpster fire since. Yeah, I just D Hop. I, I just keep your keep your fingers to yourself and your mouth shut. I, I just think it's childish and immature to to dunk on something so stupid. You're in a better situation. You're getting paid. You got exactly what you asked for, which is out of a dumpster fire organization. Uh, I just you know just just take the high road. And and even though Easterby probably deserves it, just take the high road. Nah, fuck him. I mean, with you, Steven, the only thing funnier than Jack Easterby trying to do stand-up comedy is his former players dunking on him like he did here. Rams tackle Joe Noteboom. He's also out for the season with the torn Achilles. All of a sudden, the Rams offense goes from bad to worse, guys. I didn't think this offensive line could get worse, and my God, they're getting worse by the week. Shout out to all my edge rushers. Y'all about to feast the next 11 games against this team. Yeah, it just seems like a lost season for the Rams. If they make the playoffs, it'll be by the skin of their teeth, in my opinion. But speaking of the Rams, Cam Akers, trade imminent. 
he complains enough. The Rams organization doesn't want to deal with it, sits him out, and now he requests a trade. You get brought back from a horrific injury in time for a playoff run. The world loves you. It just shows you how fast things can change for you in football. Take care of your mentals. Take care of your chickens. Forget these teams. No, and you hit the nail on the head here, Wally. Just six months ago, not even in the beginning of the year, people would not stop talking about how amazed they were of Cam Akers coming back so quickly from this injury. All he's done this year, his second year in the league, 51 carries for 151 yards, one touchdown, and a boatload of fumbles that cannot keep him on the field. And it's funny, I know we say how quick a tide can turn in the NFL. I feel like I haven't seen something this quick turn. Like, they were like, Cam Akers is that guy. We're bringing him back for the Super Bowl. Fuck him. I guess we do end up liking draft picks because we're going to trade this man away. One that I have a hot, flaming hot take to end 911 rapid fire unless you're transitioning to a fourth topic, which is I'm wondering if Cam Akers is actually bad or if McVeigh doesn't do running backs well at all. But either way, Akers is replaceable with a seventh rounder. I'm going to go with the latter. I don't think he's good with running backs. It, at this point, it's hard to tell with McVay. We change a narrative on him every other day. But I do have an impromptu thing I wanted. I forgot to put it on here, and I want your guys' quick two cents. Jim Mercer said there's merit to remove Dan Snyder. What was your thoughts? Because we all know that ain't happening quickly. That pill head is so fucked if he's running his mouth. You know there's some dirt on him. <laughs> I, just, anything, just like there's dirt on Jerry anything. Jones. I will do anything to get Dan <laughs> Snyder out of the NFL. Because I'm one, I'm sick of I'm sick of talking about him. Two, I like Washington. I'm sick of seeing them be terrible. Like get an owner in there who's willing to actually spend money on the team. I, I just do anything to get rid of him at this point. Get Dan Snyder out of here. But you're gonna tell me Jim Mercy has got some balls of steel. You know that guy's got a plethora of skeletons in his closet. Looking if like there Jeffrey was gonna Dahmer's be an open- room. Maybe they're no longer in the closet. Everyone knows he's a shit bag. So like, why you know? Maybe I mean, this is just the opportunity. If there was going to be an owner that had the brass to go after Dan Snyder, we should not be surprised at all that it's Jim Irsay. I'm just happy to be a Packers fan because that's one less owner that you have to worry about. There's about 500,000 owners in that city. I'm sure you can find some dirt on that. With that, that's going to end our rapid fire. We're going to get right into the week seven previews before we toss it to Wally to see what the records are for the week. As well as overall, we want you to know that this week seven picks is brought to you by Abby Turner Creative, your one-stop shop marketing agency specializing in branding, high-end photography, fashion, and more, especially if you're our age where it feels like there's college graduations, engagement, wedding pictures, baby pictures. Doesn't matter. They're happening every damn weekend. Abby Turner Creative is the only way to go. Check her out for yourself at abbyturnerphoto.com. Abby, A-B-B-E-Y, or go on her Instagram, Saw Dad and Sapphire. Again, Abby Turner Photo. Dot com. Wally, how are the boys doing heading into week seven? What the hell's going on out here? Well, we're at least slowing the bleeding down. This is, uh, finally, I can say that I ended up in the green, mercifully, and thank God for the Pittsburgh Steelers for that. I went 11 and 10, up three units. Steven, you went 12 and 9, up a little over one. David went 13 and 13. Wasn't the best end on the units, but we're going to turn around. We actually... I think all three kind of have a good feeling about the lines this week. That hasn't been the case the last few. So let's get right into it, Stephen. Who, first of all, who has the buys this week? Of course, we got the Buffalo Bills, the Los Angeles Rams, the Minnesota Vikings, and the Eagle. Eagle. The Eagles. So that's three out of the top four teams. 
out here uh, on each on each conference. So, uh oh, is there going to be some line movement or some movement within the division? This is a great week to take advantage of that. At least the Rams aren't playing. Yeah, well, the the fucking Broncos are still playing. Thursday night, let's rip this fucking mandate off. The New Orleans Saints travel out to Phoenix where the Arizona Cardinals are two and a half point favorites. I'm surprised it should be more. They just got Robbie Anderson. And the total set at 43 and a half. We all know Marquise Hollywood is not going to be available. He ends up kind of missing a, you know, missing a bullet here, only going to be out six weeks as opposed to season ending surgery. So that's awesome. And you know, we got D hop back. With that being said, give me Arizona minus two and a half. Is Jameis starting? Is Andy Dalton starting? I don't care. Alave is expected to be back here in the wide receiver in the lineup for the receivers. That's about it. Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry both out. We have Marshawn Lattimore. That's not going to be able to suit up for this game. And the Saints have been playing great ball since dealing with all these injuries. But I expect the Arizona Cardinals to show a little bit of life, a little bit of energy now with DeAndre Hopkins back, especially if you don't have your number one cornerback on him. Here's a little tidbit here. Andy Dalton, 0-11 his last 11 primetime games. The last five of those, he's lost by 17-plus points. And on top of that, the Arizona Cardinals have lost eight straight at home, dating back to last year. Pick your poison on which streak you think is getting broken. I'm going with the Cardinals minus 2.5. 0-11 in his last 11 games, 1-0 in the next one games. It's red rifle season. The next one games. The Saints. (laughs) Money line, you take the under 43 and a half. I thought it was interesting this week. Cliff Kingsbury actually said he's willing to not call plays if that means the team doing better and starting to win more games. Red Rifle gets it done. Original Kirk Cousins gets it done. I'm really tired of the Cardinals, guys. I'm really tired of them. And I feel like everybody is willing them to be good. They suck. And I'm going to do the complete opposite here. I am going to do what I did to the Atlanta Falcons for years, and I'm going to will them this up. I am putting all of my energy into watching this team fail. I'm tired of having them talked up like they're a top 10 franchise right now. If it wasn't for Kyler Murray's ridiculous skill set, we would be talking about Cliff Kingsbury being one of the worst hires of the last decade. Instead, he got extended going into this offseason. It's not going to matter. He's going to be fired by the end of this season. I, I, I'm done with the Cardinals. That's all I got. New Orleans money line under 43 and a half. I don't know how the hell it gets even close to that number. I'm out on the Cardinals, but uh, look, I you can't discount the fact that the world's most injury prone receiver in Michael Thomas is out. The world's best locker room guy in Jarvis Landry is out. Marshawn Lattimore is out. You've got a revolving door at quarterback. I just, the Saints are, they're down bad. Hopkins is back. They're probably going to try and get him the ball a lot. I'd be shocked if the offense doesn't look slightly better. Still terrible, but slightly better than it has. I just think Arizona takes this one at home, and and I've got them as the favorites with the money line. You forgot two words, though, David. Who dat? Who dat think they're going to beat them Saints? It's going to happen tonight. If you're already at home listening, you know one of us is a moron, and it's going to be me, but I don't care. Red rifle season, let's go. Detroit, speaking of Red Rifle, let's go to his former employer. The Dallas Cowboys are hosting the Detroit Lions. Cowboys minus seven with the total at 48 and a half. Dak is medically cleared, so you have to imagine, especially after the way they've talked about him the last month, he will be back with no restrictions. But I'm taking Detroit plus seven in the money line. I know. 
This is my big ridiculous spread where I'm completely inversing this week. He's going to make the offense more versatile, Dak that is, but I think it's going to take time. We saw how much he struggled in week one of this season, and this is coming off of, for Detroit, a humiliating loss in Foxborough and a bye week. I think Dan Campbell's going to have them ready. Between the Cowboys' offensive struggles at this time this year and what the Lions have shown they can do on offense, I believe this is the upset of the week. Lions line holds up against one of the best pass rushes in the league, holds Michael Parsons, and I think they're going to shock the Cowboys in AT&T, 27 to 24, fellas. You have me changing my my picks mid <laughs> mid. If, uh, if you didn't notice, I already did that too, David. So so here's here's what I'm going to say, and and the only thing I changed is I'm no longer taking Dallas's money line. I'm taking. Detroit plus seven. I'm taking the over on 48 and a half to kind of, uh, I'm not off the Detroit bandwagon. I probably won't be all season, Um, but they had four amazing weeks of offensive football and one bad one. Why should I jump ship after the bye week? They should become fully prepared for Dallas. I think they keep it close. I have a hunch Dallas ultimately wins, but Wally's got me jazzed for the Lions, So I'm not going to pick the money line. We're back on the bandwagon. Come on, Lions, let's go. It's hard for me to pick right now. I've gone back and forth a bunch, but I'm going to be the outlier. Give me Dallas minus seven. Give me the over 48 and a half right now. Dak is back. The Cowboys are looking healthy. While the Lions are training to have Frank Ragnow, Taylor Decker back, we'll kind of see how that's looking, but let's not overlook something. This is the greatest game Dak could come back to because he is facing one of the worst defenses in NFL history i want to say david i want to say that you sent this to the group chat they're they're like the second worst team ever through six weeks or some shit like that it is bad this with the worst rushing defense now through the first six weeks five games for them since they had the bye week last week zeke might finally have his breakout game let's see what tony pollard looks like get michael gallup get cd lamb back on that chemistry line here with dak prescott i think that they're gonna ball Give me Dallas minus seven, nailing that over at 48 and a half as well. We have an AFC South divisional matchup. The Indianapolis Colts travel to Nashville in the Nissan Stadium, that old piece of shit, uh, where the Titans are two and a half point favorites. The total set at 42. The Colts stink. But they are getting both their running backs back, as well as Shaq Leonard is kind of trending towards playing finally. But Tennessee has won four of the last five meetings with an average of nine and a half points of the margin of victory. And surprisingly, this will be a defensive battle that these are some solid defense that they have playing right now. I want to say, like, in terms of yardage, they're both going to be within the top 12. That's with passing and rushing. So I think it's going to be the running games that are going to prove what's going to help. Because are you going to trust Matt Ryan right now? Absolutely not. Ryan Tannehill, yeah, right. You got Derrick Henry. Give me the under because I'm riding the divisional under, which I have to run that back. I want to say it's like 13 and 6 after last week. Give me the under 42. I got the Titans winning in Nashville by the two and a half i okay <laughs> i will everyone who's listening <laughs> bet with wally and steven on this way to sell yourself i am taking the colts plus two and a half in money line and there is one reason and one reason alone i am going to will it to happen that matt ryan plays well so i get a fantasy win this week because josh allen's on by and i needed a quarterback so I am taking pick up Taylor Heineke. Fuck man. I am willing it. I am willing it to happen. But if you have a brain, please bet with Wally and Steven this week. (laughs) 
Can't wait until Red Rifle has 350 yards and three touchdowns tonight, the primetime king. But you're right. Uh, you should bet with us because Steve and I are going to be right because it is going to be Tennessee minus two and a half because don't let last week fool you. And I'm surprised it was actually David's catchphrase, the stink, they stink. But Steven, you're right. The Colts, they stink. They're a bad football team. Don't buy in. I On Sunday, we were texting each other. I think it might actually be on Monday. And the only way I can describe the AFC South, it's a gong show that is not meant to be understood. You have undoubtedly, I'm sure you all have, you know those people that listen to EDM or death metal music, and they're like, oh, no, this is great. It's really good. You just got to give it a chance. I don't care. No, some, yeah, like some people just like shitty things, and that's AFC South fans. It is shitty football. It's not fun. When you really think about it, I don't. I think there's, what, one Super Bowl collectively between the four teams in that division there. The Texans have never won one. They've never been. The Jaguars never been. I'm pretty sure the Titans have never won one, but they've been they, once. They came up, they uh, they lost to the Rams in that one, yard, that one yard short. Yeah, the Dyson yep. play. And then naturally you have the Colts who had to beat the Chicago Bears and Rex Grossman in the Super Bowl to get one. It is bad football. It is bad quality throughout the division. Stats make no sense. You don't go in and actually try to think on these. You got to just kind of find that obscure stat that's going to push you one direction. And that's where you got to be married to. And that's going to be Mike Vrabel for me. Because Mike Vrabel has made the Titans the most consistent team in this division. Coming off of a bye and previously beating Indianapolis in Indianapolis last month. The Titans get all the all-important tiebreaker for that division. They win. They cover to two and a half. Look, have any of you guys seen the movie Inherent Vice? Joaquin Phoenix? No, but I love Joaquin. Watch it. It is this division. It is in two hours of what the fuck am I watching? I don't know the plot. I don't know what his story is supposed to be. Why are we following him? I don't understand the dialogue. I went into this movie with like six of my friends and we all sat there and watched it. And at the end of it, one brave soul had the audacity to go. Does anyone know what just happened on that film? And the rest of us go, <laughs> absolutely not. No fucking clue. That is this division. Look, you've both said it. I said it on Monday, and just to hammer home, please bet with Wally and Steven on this game. The AFC South does not make sense. Some teams can't beat the other team at, at home. Some teams can't haven't beat the other team in 35 consecutive matchups. The fact that the Titans have won four out of five means you should bet with the Titans because this division is stupid. That That's it. That's just that's the theme of the division. So with that, I'm taking us into a team that I'm going to start respecting this week. New York Giants at Jacksonville. Jacksonville is the three-point favorite. Over-under is 42 and a half. I said Monday I'd stop disrespecting New York teams. New York Giants, I, I, I'm, taking, I'm taking them as a three-point underdog and the money line. I think they're going to get turnovers on Lawrence. That's going to be the difference in the game, and I'm done disrespecting them. I think they're going to win this game. I don't think Jacksonville is where I thought they were going to be. Even at home, I'm still taking the Giants. Now, this is my flip here for you, David, because if I had gone in blind and we were just picking winners and we don't look at the spreads at all, I am picking the Giants 10 times out of 10. But this game, it gives me a very similar feeling to college football fans out there 
Michigan State traveled to Washington early in the season. They were 2-0. and I think they were ranked number 11 in the country, going up against unranked Washington, supposedly not going to be great this year. And Vegas had Washington as a three-point favorite. Everybody, myself included, were like, what are they thinking? This is almost too weird. And the fact that it was such an obscure line almost scared me into it. And the Washington Huskies beat the hell out of Michigan State, and they've spiraled since. I'm almost wondering if Vegas is doing the same thing again. Vegas knew then. They know now. I'm trusting Vegas. I'm going to take the Jags, the inexplicable three-point favorite against the G-men. Who am I to question Vegas and the all-knowing power? Duvall gets back in the win column. And again, all hail the magic conch. If Vegas says so, I'm buying in. Jaguars minus three. It's so hard to bet against the Giants because I've been riding them, taking the points here. I mean, they're five and one ATS on the year so far. Only what second to the Atlanta Falcons are six and zero, but they have been playing some great football to start off the year. I want to okay. Let me backtrack. If you take away the stats and everything, they've been playing some great team football. But Jacksonville has a top ten rushing offense in terms of yardage, where New York is giving up the fourth most yards on the ground right now. But the script has slipped when you talk about the passing defense. The Giants is a top eight, while Jackson Jacksonville is kind of a bottom 12 right now. This is a week where not having receivers is finally going to hurt New York. It's time for the Giants to settle down a little bit and Jacksonville to get back on track. They're losers of three straight. I can't see it four. They're going back home. It's one of those games where you have to ride Jacksonville or the favorite because Vegas knows something that we will not know until it's way too late to bet on this game. Also, side note, Vegas, what the fuck? You put in a DraftKings booster of Justin Herbert plus 100 for a touchdown throw Vegas this year? knows. They know, and that's exactly – that's what I'm basing this off of. You just got Justin Herbert. 36 out of the last 37 games he's played, he's thrown a touchdown. This is only the second time in his NFL career he has not thrown a touchdown in a game. How the fuck does Vegas know this? They know too much. Jacksonville minus three. Got to trust Vegas. I'm with you. Unless it's a football team. But the Cleveland Browns are going to Baltimore where the Ravens are six and a half point favorites. I'm going to keep this really simple. And then I'm going to throw it to Steven so we can have David round it out. Baltimore minus six and a half. I'm taking the over of 45 and a half. This is a real test for the Browns defense who is allergic to tackling this year. They're going to fail that test. I'm really worried that this one's actually going to get ugly. I have the Ravens 28 to 20. So again, minus six and a half and the over. Steven, where are you at? I think this is a Kevin Stefanski call him out game to see if he can get his head out of his ass. The Ravens are holding their opponents to just 103 yards per game on the ground, which is eighth best in the league. But because the Ravens defense has given up, what, the fifth most passing yards, so why do you need to run if you can just throw all over them? Insert Nick Chubb has entered the chat. Get this man the football, like Sir David over here has been belching for the past damn near a month, it feels like, because that's how long it's gone every single game. Give him the ball. You will win. Number one rush offense in the league. Yes. And you know what? I think that this can be a good game for Jacoby Brissett as well. Like I said, giving up the fifth most yards in the air. But don't hold your breath if you're basing this off a Jacoby Brissett game. It's going to be more of a Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt game here. On top of that, Baltimore has lost six of their last seven home games, dating back to last year. Talk about being allergic. They are allergic to holding on to a lead. Give me the Browns plus six and a half in this AFC North battle. Let's go Brownies. 
Yeah, Baltimore money line because Cleveland Browns can kick rocks as long as they're starting out. As long as they're starting that dried out brisket at quarterback. Um, anyways, on to the next game. On to the next game. <laughs> wow, well, you don't even want to talk about it. I love that. <laughs> I, that is how I felt with the Raiders. So God bless you. Go on. <laughs> on to the next one. Atlanta at Cincinnati. Cincinnati six and a half point favorites over under 47 and a half. Atlanta 6-0 against the spread, and honestly, that's the only stat I need to see because I'm going to take Atlanta against the spread. I'm going to take them as 6.5-point underdogs, but I'm going to take the over at 47.5 because both these teams just feel like they're going to put up a lot of numbers against each other and not play an ounce of defense. Well, Logan Wilson might not even be playing. We're not sure how he is right now. If he's out, I would love the over, but since I don't know, I'm going to stay away. I have Atlanta plus six and a half like you. I was really surprised at how big the spread was when I looked at it, especially given that Cincinnati hasn't played all that well this year. But unlike the Jaguars and Giants game, I'm going to be the stupid mouse that follows the maze, eats the poison like cheese, and Vegas is going to be looking at me laughing. (laughs) I mean, the Dirty Birds have been such a pleasant surprise. And without potentially Logan Wilson, I just – Really want to believe the Falcons continue to be the best-kept secret in the NFL this year. I've gone complete heel turn, where now I love Atlanta. I'm rooting for the Falcons. You Falcon fans don't have to hate me anymore. But I wouldn't be at all surprised if they win. And because I said that, because this feels like a weird line, the Bengals will win by 30. David already nailed it. 6-0 against the spread. We still don't really know what this Cincinnati Bengals team is quite yet. And the only well, they squeaked out a four point two, four point victory, whatever it may be, against the New Orleans Saints, a division foe. So maybe they're going to be looking at the tape there. I need to watch the tape, though. I got to go back and watch the tape. I'm playing it till I watch the tape. I want to watch the tape. I watch the tape. Watch the tape. Watch the tape. Well, again, I'm gonna watch the tape. Atlanta's giving up the second most passing yards at 281 per game. So Joey B, Jamar Chase, T Higgins, get Tyler Boyd in there. Get Joe Mixon. Just get them going. Again, this is the theme. Cincinnati Bengals are allergic to having more than 70 rushing yards. They're averaging like in the 60s or low 70s throughout the year. The worst in the NFL on the ground for the offense. Since he is a top eight, his top eight average a little bit less than the 250 passing yards. So from the 281, I think that Joey B can take advantage of that. The other matchup is Atlanta's top three rushing offense in the league going up against a bottom 12 Cincinnati defense at defending that just 121 yards per game that they're giving up. These teams can exploit each other's deficiencies. So, you know, I'm going to ride with Atlanta plus six and a half because of the deficiencies being exploited. Give me that over 47 and a half as well. My Green Bay Packers are traveling to Maryland. I know, throws you off, to face the Washington Commanders where the Packers are four and a half point favorites, total set at 41 and a half, and Taylor Heineke is set to start for this Washington Washington football team, once again, I cannot trust my Packers right now. They boast the best passing defense in terms of yardage in the NFL right now. The only team to not give up a 1,000 yards through the air, that's because everybody can run right over them. Luckily, Washington is only averaging about 96 yards per game on the ground. Taylor Heineke is the starter moving forward with Wentz out with this finger injury. Don't make it seem like he hasn't been there. He was a starter for most of the part most of the season last year, there's not going to be that much of a drop-off, maybe a little bit better quarterback play here. But I think that this could spark something in the locker room that maybe they favorite Heineke 
over Carson Wentz. Maybe this was something in the locker room where they were like, why did we go out and get Carson Wentz when we had that quarterback in the locker room the whole time? Maybe this can give him a little spark like Jimmy G for the 49ers. It's also in Washington. That doesn't help. That's an underrated place to play, and you're on the road. Give me the give me the commanders plus four and a half. Before we go to David and I real quick, I just want to ask you as a Packer fan, Randall Cobb being out two to four weeks with a sprained ankle, could you perhaps spin zone that into a blessing in disguise where maybe it's going to force Aaron Rodgers to throw to some of these young wide receivers and kind of start learning the offense? Because he inexplicably at this stage of his career should not be getting the target share that he is. No, totally agree. Um, I I don't think that because that's we said the exact same thing when we had the younger guys. We had Christian Watson. Now you had Sammy Watkins out. Oh, now we hit. Now you have no choice but to throw to him. Oh, all I'm going to do is throw to Robert Tanyan, Randall Cobb, Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon when they come out of the backfield. I think if anything, with with missing Randall Cobb, talk about getting your head out of your ass. Matt Lafleur, get your fucking head out of your ass and give the ball to Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. I do not care. Feed them. I said it on Monday. Give them 30 to 35. Hell, give them 35 to 40 touches if that's a handoff or in the receiving game between those two. This is the game to do it. This is the game you're going to realize, holy shit, Aaron Jones has been nothing but a star running back over his whole tenure in Green Bay. It dates back to Mike McCarthy not utilizing him enough in the running game or giving him touches, and now it's spilling over to Matt LaFleur. This has to be the game Aaron Jones pops off. Steven, I need you to do something for me. When you're watching the game, because I sure as hell won't, when you're watching the game, I want you to pay attention to Aaron Rodgers audibles out of a run play and how often it happens or what you think might be a run play. Okay, I was like, I don't, know, I don't know how much, I don't know how. No, I, I want to. But he does one common denominator with all of the offenses, and and yes. the complaint about lack of running, and it's Aaron Rodgers and his psychopath mentality of I'm better than everyone and I need more help. But, but I, he's smart enough. I just got to simplify the offense, help. man. What I, the fuck I, does I, that mean? <laughs> That is your job. That is literally your job. I mean, okay, not literally, but back-to-back MVP, walking Hall of Famer. You have got to do something. I was talking about David on this. I know you had to listen multiple times because of editing, but it's so much easier when I get to stick up for my asshole in Aaron Rodgers because he plays well. I have no, I can't I can't do it anymore. I just can't. Why did you just not retire last year and just let me sit here with Jordan Love being even more depressed than I am right now? I mean, dude's gone off the deep end. There's no other way to say it. And I mean, even his offensive coordinator was pissed off about the comments. And I mean, because he's literally he's like, I don't know what that means. Just like you. He's just like, dude, this is a simple offense. We're not asking you to recreate the wheel. You know this and you have to explain or you have to be able to help help these young wide receivers along. That's what the greats do. And it's like, he almost just thinks that he's above that. You know, what would simplify, but anyways, you know, what would simplify not calling an audible, letting the plays roll out. You have so many of these young guys that let's be real. Maybe they're, maybe some of these guys were going to college with quarterbacks that don't really audible and they fucking ride or die on it. And if the play breaks up, they can make something miraculous happen. You can't just change it. And then be like, yeah, we, you know, the wide receivers just need to be simplified. You are overcomplicating it, Aaron. 
My God, let's fucking move on to the next game. I'm not even saying it's happening. I just think that the guy thinks he's smarter than everyone else. And if you told me that he was changing the play at the line of scrimmage like 90% of the time, I'd believe you. Right? Like he just looks down at that tattoo on his forearm, and it's like the pirates of the Caribbean that tells him what play. Yeah, it's just like, all right, well, the sun's in the third house, and we have to run here on third and sixteen. I got it, got it. Well, it's I agree with you, David, but you are not the first person this week to make that comment, right? So it's not now. It's it's more. I can't cements your reasoning behind that. He is. Again, we're not that smart to be like, oh, he just changed from a from a halfback offset. It's going to go in the in the a gap to oh, here's a pass. Yeah, where's Tony Romo when you need him? Right. So, but we will move on because I know you're tired of talking about this sad talk. I will go off Green Bay money line. Hour. I have Green Bay minus four and a half. Third time's a charm. I've been the kiss of death the last several weeks. Whether it be a seven or an eight point favorite, I've picked the Packers to cover both, and they've lost outright. So, Stephen, if they lose this next game, you have permission to hate me. And honestly, I hate myself, so it's my own fault too. But this is my last try. If if they lose this game, this is my last stand. I'm swimming back to shore. Like, to hell with going down with the ship. This is the last stand for the Packers for me. Tampa Bay, though, they're 10.5-point road favorites at Carolina. Total set at 40. And if that doesn't indicate to you how bad this Carolina Panthers team is right now, I don't know what to tell you because this Buccaneers team has a million of their own problems. The offense looks suspect to say the least. 10 plus point dog at home. I mean, that's just unbelievable to me. PJ Walker threw for 60 yards on Sunday. Jacob Eason came in in relief. He threw for 59. I mean, someone make it end. Your buddy Dylan Watts. I mean, dude, I'm praying for you, buddy, because this is hard. I, I, I'm taking Tampa Bay minus 10 and a half and the under of 40. Make this season stop. Hit the quit button. Unplug the Xbox. It's time to call it quits in Carolina. I'm with you. Carolina, Carolina stinks. They're, they're not good. Here's the thing. I'm taking Tampa Bay as 10 and a half points favorites and the money line. But if they don't win by 11 plus points, if they don't win the game at all, Tom Brady needs to retire after the season. It's over. It's done. We're finish your career out and send it off into the sunset because if you can't win this game against the worst team in the NFL, without their intended starting quarterback nobody can help the offense other than you like your head's not in it just get out but I do think that Tampa Bay still wins I mean the defense is too good they're going to grab two or three turnovers against Carolina without a doubt even if you only turn one of those turnovers drives into points I still think Tampa Bay wins this by 10 plus if they don't it's time to shut the door on Tom Brady it's so hard to trust either of these teams right now to take the spread right? Because I think you both make great points. Carolina had 10, point, 10 points last week. Seven of those was from a pick six. Three points offensively on your first drive, your scripted drive. You score three points. Don't do anything for the rest of the game. P.J. Walker to start again. They might they may not score a point in this entire game. I'm thinking it's going to be like 31 nothing, and it's going to be an embarrassment. This Tampa Bay defense has been playing some great ball. and This might be the game that Tom Speaking of getting their head out of their ass, Tom might get his head out of his ass. Again, I don't trust any of these spreads. Give me the under 40 and a half and call it a day. Oh, give me the under 40. Son of a bitch, it got updated. It did get updated. He, you guys know, and 
one of my favorite things in movies. It's like my sister and my like secret fun hobby of making fun of movies where there's the most predictable setup for a line ever. Like one of them I could think of in Water for Elephants. I'm not running off to the circus. I'm going home. Like everybody knows what's coming and you cringe and you're like, Jesus, they really put this in there. Tom Brady's going to be the guy that shows up at the airport with Gazelle. She's like, I don't, I, like, I don't Giselle. love you anymore. Whatever her damn name is. Gis- Giselle, whatever. She, yeah, it's Giselle. It's not a fucking African animal. It, it might as well be. But she can be at the airport. She's going to have her bags packed for like Florence. And she's like, you don't love me. Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, you like football more. And he's just going to do the, where are we going? And, and it, that's it. It'll just be like, where, we're t- where are we going? And he's just going to run off to the sunset. He's going to be on planes all over the world secretly depressed he's not playing football because you're right david if they lose this game it's over mail it in it is completely done just like if the raiders lose on sunday because they play the houston (laughs) texans seven point home favorites totals 45 and a half both teams are coming off of a bye as well i raiders minus seven in the over 45 and a half this is also the last stand if they I, i will be so miserable not only if they lose, like they have to cover this game. They have to look good in this game after everything that's happened so far. Home against the Texans, at this, the New Orleans Saints, at the Jaguars, home against the Colts, at Denver, and at Seattle. That is their next six games. There is no reason, and there should be an expectation that they win at least five of those games. If they do not, they are done. They're out of the playoffs. And it's very doable, and that's what I'm already hurting because I know what will happen when they go 3-3 three and three down this stretch, look pissed poor, lose games on last-second field goals, or something ridiculous. I just know what's going to happen, but it's fine. Raiders <laughs> minus 70 over 45. I, I'm, I'm buying in one last time, and I'm telling you, this is, this is it, guys. If they lose the sunshine, rainbow, unicorn, fairyland that I'm supposed to be in at 1-5, in five, I'm not going to be able to get there. Full on pen season for you. Oh, it's on. You know what? I'm going to ride with you. Give me the Raiders minus seven. Give me the over 45 and a half. Josh Jacobs game is upon us. Houston still has a horrific rush defense, allowing 165 yards per game on the ground. Now, I'm not all that confident in the Raiders defense quite yet, but offensively by yards, Houston is a bottom 11 team in both the pass and the run. This is a great game to gain some confidence as a Raiders team and as a Raiders fan. I like them to roll, get back on track for a late season run, Wally. My boy, the psychopathic murderer, Devontae Adams himself, hasn't, I haven't heard anything about a suspension. So obviously, I'm pretty sure we're good here. Well, Don't think that's going to happen at all. Oh, yeah. Oh, never mind. Uh, then flip it over. Take Houston minus 14 if you can find that on there. No, <laughs> but seriously, um, I think that I think that this can be a game. It gives me remnants of. I know I brought it up before, but I want to say it was a 2013 season. Green Bay kind of started off slow. They started off two and three, and then they have a game against Houston Monday night and blow the doors off of them, and then it just kind of started it from there. I think that this could be a game for the Raiders. Give them the over 45 and a half and Vegas minus seven. I have nothing more to add. Las Vegas, seven-point favorites, money line, over 45 and a half. Go Raiders. Let's ride, boys. I love it. And speaking of let's ride. You know what that Oh, means. God. Ugh. It's time the to New talk York about Jets. Mr. Unlimited again. 
I'm gonna hang. Your jets are flying out uh, no, to mile yeah. high. Don't let. We're not letting Wally introduce this. I can't take another oh, pun. No. New York Jets <laughs> at Denver. Denver's one and a half point favorites. Have no idea why. Thirty-eight and a half is the over/under. We talked about it earlier. Russell Wilson's got this significant hamstring injury. That's why he's terrible. Jokes on everyone that has eyes. He's just terrible. Russell Wilson and the Broncos stink. I said on Monday, I said it earlier, I'm going to start respecting the New York football teams, and this is the Jets' opportunity to win me over the rest of the season. I'm taking the Jets one and a half money line, and I'm taking the under on 38 and a half because I think this game is going to be 24 to 13. I think I, I just, that feels, that just gut feeling that feels like the ending score. Russ with a hamstring injury. Boy, he had his lat, something I've never heard of until I until I took an anatomy class about eight years ago. Now, all of a sudden, they're just ripping it off. But the Jets' defense has been wildly underrated, and they are ready to stifle this, Bron- this Broncos offense. I mean, I don't think I'd be ready to talk about how awesome I think this Jets' defense was without watching the Green Bay game, because obviously I have full eyes on that. But the Broncos just cannot get a single thing going this year. Robert Sala is very, very familiar with his old NFC West foe and Russell Wilson with his times in San Fran while Russell was the quarterback there in Seattle. We all know how those matchups have gone over the years. I like the Jets to keep rolling in this one. That is the only New York team that's going to win this week. This game is going to end 15 to 14, something very ugly like that. I've got a confession to make. I got a confession to make. The Broncos are unironically becoming my favorite team right now. Mr. Unlimited is a god. Mr. Russ's Danger Russ, Wolverine man, who can't love this guy. And as a Raiders fan, we should all take time to appreciate what Denver is doing for the Las Vegas Raiders right now because no one's talking about us. No one is even mentioning how disappointing the Raiders are because at the end of the day, we're playing fun football games where the Broncos look like the Iowa Hawkeyes got put on Sunday, and I am eating this shit up. Their defense, though, good for them. Justin Simmons is coming back. An amazing defense should be getting even better. But Mr. Unlimited, Mr. I completed three passes in the second half in overtime for 20 yards, that Mr. Unlimited, I love him. And that why I'm not touching the spread in this game. It's even better. I'm taking the under of 38 exclusively because that's my new favorite bet when the Broncos are involved. Give me the 30-whatever point unders. I am eating that up. Bring it on. The Seattle Seahawks are traveling to SoFi Stadium to face off with the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers are five-and-a-half-point favorites. Total set at 50-and-a-half. These these are two of the top seven Two of the bottom seven in points per game, I should say. Combined, they're allowing 52.5 points between the two of them per game. That's two points over with the overs, I'm just saying. The Chargers have slightly fixed their rushing problem, but they're still bottom six in the league. So Kenneth Walker, and we know how Seattle likes to function here, they could be having a really another or another great game. Keenan Allen is expected back for this one. Herbie and the offense will light up the secondary. That's giving up 245 yards per game. Watch out for Gino, though, going up against a pass defense that's already given up 11 touchdowns through the air, tied for the third worst in the NFL. Give me Seattle plus six and a half. Give me that over 51 and a half. 
I'm tired of betting against Gino. So we're going over 50 and a half and, and Seattle as five and a half point underdogs. I, this feels like a shootout and I really hate the chargers. I really hate the chargers because just when they blow the doors off somebody, they come back and they play a dog shit team in the Broncos and like forget how to play offense. And I'm just tired of it. I'm tired. I don't want to bet on the chargers anymore. But like it just feels like a shootout, so I'm I'm just gonna you know I'm gonna ride with it. I think you're right to ride with it. I think all of us, I believe, are taking the over here, and I'm also on that. I'm taking the Seahawks plus five and a half as well. I've actually seen conflicting reports on Keenan Allen. There is still a chance that he misses, and if that's the case, people are flirting with the idea that he's gonna wait until after the bye week, which just goes to show hamstrings are the worst thing in the world because he's been what day to day, week to week. Since it happened week one, these things yep. don't disappear. And that's why, I mean, it sucks, but you almost want to shut them down until you need them. But anyways, I mean, I, I do get that betting overs in the year of our Lord and Savior 2022 is not going to end well, but I'm still doing it because I think you were the one that told us about this, Steven. But if you bet the under in every single game so far this year, you'd be 15 units up. So if you're betting $100, you're making $1,500 just by betting unders. That's it in football games this year. I think it's 61% of it's hitting too. Yeah, it's to add a little it's un, it, Defenses are, are way ahead this year. It's the first time we can remember that in forever. But, I mean, a game should be high scoring. It should be fun. It's honestly one of the games I'm most excited for, and I never expected that six weeks ago. I mean, like this spread a lot more. One, it was six and a half, but I'm taking the fighting Geno Smiths. Let's ride Seattle plus five and a half. For the record, my bad guys. I'm also taking them plus five and a half. Kind of realized late I'd said six and a half, but I think you guys know what I mean. Uh, yeah, yeah, we figured it out. But now we're probably going into what we'd imagine is the game most people are looking forward to this week. And that's the Kansas City Chiefs, two and a half point favorites going to San Francisco with the total at 48 and a half. I have the under and I have KC to cover. I mean, the old rule of thumb in gambling is basically the home field is worth three points. So Vegas is saying that these teams are effectively even, which I thought was really surprising when I first saw this line. Because what have the 49ers done on offense at all this year? Their defense is decimated by injuries. It just felt a little crazy to me. And I have a football crush on Kyle Shanahan, as you guys know, but I just can't figure this one out and maybe I look like an idiot maybe this is the one where San Francisco really comes out and their offense starts clicking I can't believe that a Chiefs team coming off that loss last week Andy Reid coming off that loss last week Patrick Mahomes coming off that loss aren't really looking forward to having this one circled I think they're going to cover and I wouldn't be surprised if they win by a couple touchdowns here what do you guys have basically everything you just said Kansas City is consistent they're elite that you know the product they're putting out on the field every single week. Your only debate is if they're playing the Bills. Now you have a conversation where maybe they aren't going to do as well as they normally do. I think I think Kansas City is going to wipe San Francisco. San Francisco's inconsistent. They ride with Jimmy G's inconsistencies. They're hurt on defense, as you said. It's hard to bet against Kansas City here. I have them. I have them as two and a half point favorites, and I'm I'm taking the money line for them as well. 
National tight end days here, folks. Kansas City has the fourth best rushing defense in terms of yards to start the year, but they've given up the fifth most yards through the air and an astounding league-leading 15 touchdowns in that span. 15 touchdowns through the air. Same frame with the second-best pass defense through six weeks, so I think that's going to be a fun matchup with Pat Mahomes and kind of the new toys and really seeing what this matchup looks like against a stellar defense, a stellar, hopefully fully healthy defense, like kind of like what we saw last week. But I like San Francisco bouncing back, covering, not necessarily winning, but give me the San Francisco plus two and a half. I could see this being a, what do you want to call it? Almost like a 22-24 game. One of those really, really weird scores. I could see that, like a 31-29. A 14 to 16, and eh, maybe not that low scoring. I think you guys are getting the deal. Give me San Francisco plus two and a half on that. Our Sunday night football matchup. We've all been waiting for this one. I know that. The Pittsburgh Steelers Wait, are waiting all day for Sunday night. Uh, side note, my girlfriend just said that her and her mom are going to a Carrie Underwood concert in March. And I go, Carrie Underwood's still making music? She's like, yeah, she's like really good. I'm like, name me seven songs. She just she sings each of the Sunday night football songs throughout the year as the whole concert. They just change up teams and matchups. I'll be waiting all day. For we are not slandering Wednesday night. Hey, I, I've got nothing Carrie against Carrie Underwood her. is one of the most attractive women on planet Earth. I don't she could be the worst singer on planet Earth. She's still the best in my mind. Bro, she's not even cracking top 10 of most attractive. Get out of ooh, here. With that. Ooh, that's spicy. You don't think so? She is hell no. All right. I mean, Buddy. you're wrong, but yeah. I mean, this is this is incorrect. But I mean, yeah, like ride. I mean, good for you. Let's ride. Where do, yeah. Listen, let's ride. <laughs> where do I, where do I start? She's no Shania Twain. I'll give her that. I mean, Shania Twain is a beautiful woman in her own right, but she Goated. is not in the same stratosphere as Carrie Underwood. J Lo, Margot okay. Robbie, doesn't matter any date or year. Jennifer Aniston. All right, I'm with you with J Jennifer Aniston. I she's my first pick first round it can be in 2048 and i'll be getting my betty white on with her i don't care i fucked betty white before i cared underwood um (laughs) but pittsburgh pittsburgh traveling to hard rock miami dolphins are seven point favorites a total set at 44 and a half we do have two of running through practice i finally expected to come back after that week four mayhem that we saw we all know the story david i got david i I have not heard a word you've said i'm rattled right now uh, yeah, I know. T- trust me, you're lucky I don't have time right now to sit there. Sofia Vergara, okay, I can keep going on. Uh, Brian Flores is prepping <laughs> up against his old quarterback because now he's the defensive assistant here in, in Pittsburgh. Although that doesn't really matter because this is a whole new offense, whole new system that he's going up against. But maybe Miami picks up right where they left off. Maybe there's a hiccup in this game. Mika has logged a couple limited practices this week. They're not getting, they're expected not to have Larry Okunjobi, who has a limited practice or a full practice. Christian Watson, Taryn Armstead, Emmanuel Ogba, all did not practice the first day of the week. We got to keep an eye on that. But for right now, I expect Miami to have a little bit of a hiccup. I do expect them to win, but my bet is the Pittsburgh Steelers plus seven on the Sunday night game in Hard Rock Stadium. It's the fact that you said it with your chest. You said it full confidence that I'm just hung up on. Like, like forget this football game for a minute. I, I am like just – I'm literally rattled. Like, how am I supposed to get back to picking? When am I supposed to get back to Kenny Picketing, I should have said. I, I all got there in the end. Wow. Anyways, uh, I do think it is sort of fitting 
that this is the two returned game with two quarterbacks coming off of concussions. It seems pretty fitting given what this year is. I mean, TJ Watt, it doesn't sound like he's ready to play, but he's starting to practice. He's starting to emerge more on social media, seeming that he's about ready. If he was healthy, I would have probably taken the Steelers to win this outright, especially given that the starting tackles for the Dolphins are both out of this game. But it's the seven points. If it was six and a half, I probably wouldn't touch this game. But because it's seven, it feels like a security blanket. I'm taking the Steelers plus the points. And I'm just crossing my fingers that they're able to keep this within. I, I just, this game, I really have no read on at all. Not to mention, I'm, I still can't say how rattled I am about what transpired before these picks here. Are we talking football right now? I blacked out. I, I do. This I is incredible. What's going on right now. Um, you can't Miami tell me line. any of those people I listed off. I don't. I, I Sophia is right. below without a doubt. I, Sophia I, what? is worse. I said it. I said it. Look, I'm just saying you have a type and blondes aren't it. I don't, you know, I, I just, I don't know. What I say. like blondes. I, I, fuck with, I don't think you do. All I, I don't date, think all you I do. date are blondes. <laughs> Anyways, in the concussion bowl, Miami money. Speaking line, of concussions, I I, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know what to do here. I'm just sold that Miami's wide receiving core is going to fry a depleted Steelers secondary. And I'm probably going to get proven wrong because the Steelers love to just put themselves in games they shouldn't be in. But here, here we are. Anyways, on to more atrocious, you know, happenings. Justin Fields is at New England as a seven and a half point underdog, over under 39 and a half on Monday Night Football. This is just another Monday Night Football game I despise. Wish the NFL would just look at these games for the, the next three months and fix it. Like, give me good matchups. They don't have to be. They don't have to be Chiefs Bills. I don't need that. I just want competitive matchups, and this isn't going to be it. Chicago stinks. Justin Fields is atrocious. I think New England is going to scheme him to – they're going to scheme contain the whole game. They're going to keep him in the pocket, and he's going to look terrible because he's not a pocket quarterback. And this is just going to be another – just like last week, it's going to be another Belichick classic where – He's just going to stomp the Bears. I'm taking New England seven and a half point favorites. I, I just, this is an easy one for me. I'm taking New England minus seven and a half. The Patriots are a lot better than people think. And Mac Jones is back. Only hiccup could be if he's looking over his shoulder at Bailey Zappe. But Bill Belichick has been around the, the what, the woods about a million times here. He's not going to let that happen. He's way too seasoned for it. Patriots will win this game big. So seven and a half is what I got here. This is another game I'm not really going to trust the spread, especially when it's at seven and a half. I'm kind of taking a page out of Wally's book. If this was maybe an even seven or even a 6.5, I'd be more inclined to bet on one of these teams. But here's my question. What's worse, the Broncos or the Bears on primetime consistently? Because this is bad. Well, at least the Bears were expected to be bad, where the Broncos were Super Bowl aspirations and were put on seven times. I got to imagine the Bears are probably about tapped out of their primetime games for the year, right? I mean, does anybody know off the top of their head? No, no. I'm, I'm just going to say no. Have... I'm just going to say no. They're not. They're done. I've decided I... it. I've decided they're done in primetime. Big surprise. I don't have too much uh, depth of knowledge of uh, Chicago Bear primetimes. But speaking of the Broncos, Sierra, still harder than Carrie Underwood. You're Bill Belichick has depth. 
Bill Belichick has his defense playing well, and we know his record against rookie quarterbacks. Well, I know Justin Fields isn't a rookie quarterback, but he might as well be because he is fucking horrible. Shout out to you, Adam Alfonso. You you can talk all you should have wanted about your Packers. At least I know my quarterbacks suck, and I'm not trying to hold on to his coattails. It is zappy hour. Chicago's allowing 163 yards per game on the ground, so expect Bill Belichick to exploit that a little bit, almost like the Buffalo Bills. Pat's game here last last year in the wind bowl. Keep Bailey Zappi throwing against a top three passing unit. I don't really see that happening. Give the ball to Ramon J. Stevenson. Damian Harris has been logging full practices, so he could be expected back way earlier than anticipated. I don't trust this spread. Give me the under 39 and a half, and we're going to call it a day. With that, that's going to wrap us up for all of our week seven picks. Before we head out of here, and these two put my head on a stake, let's get a little prop lock and drop it. That's right. We give you a prop each week. Game that we think is good. A lock, an absolute lock, a gem of a game that we know is going to hit, and the drop, the game that we want to stay away from. Wally, I will toss it to you to start us off here. You're the one who kind of helped inspire this without even meaning to. I just had a feeling that George Kittle and Travis Kelsey playing each other on a big stage, we'd have a tight end moment. So I have both of them scoring a touchdown and I didn't realize it's in honor of National Tight End Day. So mine, if you can, depending on where you get it, you can sometimes parlay in-game. I think they're letting you do it once a game or once a week now at FanDuel. It might be DraftKings, can't remember. But if you can parlay it, I think both are going to score a touchdown in the same game against each other. Then my lock, unfortunately for David, I'm taking Baltimore minus six and a half. It just feels like everything's going wrong in Cleveland right now. I mean, they had the easiest schedule through the first six weeks. Now they have the toughest one down the stretch. I don't know why it's going to magically get better. I don't think it happens. I have the Ravens minus six and a half. And my drop is the Pittsburgh-Miami game on Sunday night. That game can go any which way. The Steelers can win. The Dolphins could win a nail-biter. I can see them also winning by three scores. So I am staying as far away from that game as feasibly possible, David. How about you? Look, my prop bet, Nick Chubb, longest run is greater than 19 and a half yards. Considering to the like degree that. to which New England sold out to stop the Browns run game, Chubb's ability to still break off an 18-yard run should, should boost the confidence a little in this bet. But if that doesn't, the Baltimore Ravens are allowing five or more yards before contact on opposing running backs at a 16% rate of attempts on the season, which is the second worst or the second highest in the NFL. I I think this is a lock. I think the Browns are going to get back to running the football, and I think Nick Chubb's going to have like a 40-yard touchdown, which is why the game's not a lock for me. Because even though, fuck Cleveland, at any given point, they can score points. It just, it just matters how Jacoby Brissett is going to show up. If he's got to make a comeback in the fourth quarter, say goodnight. It's an interception. But you know, if we start off strong, they might they might keep it within that that spread. But my lock, New York Jets plus one and a half in money line because fuck Denver. My drop, Pitt at Miami because I have no idea how that game's gonna go. Miami's down tackles, Pitt's down secondary, Pitt hangs in games, they win games that you'd never expect them to win just because Mike Tomlin exists. I don't know. I, I just drop everything about that game. My prop of the week is I'm going to give you two. Sprinkle a little bit on Josh Jacobs anytime touchdown score going up, going up against the Houston Texans who allergic to stopping the run here. Or 
or and I should say, sprinkle a little bit on him to score two touchdowns. I'm assuming the anytime touchdown score is going to go anywhere from like the minus 112 to the minus 135 range is what I've been popular with. Two touchdowns, you're going to probably get around that plus 350, plus 400, something around there. So I'd sprinkle a little bit on both. And best case scenario, you're, you're hitting them both. My lock of the week is the over in the Chargers Seattle game. So for all the points I said before, I think that I wouldn't go as far as saying they can both exploit each other, but I think that it can be a shootout to David's point here earlier. And I expect Gino to keep keep on cooking on like he has. My drop of the week is going to be the Green Bay Packers and the Washington game. That game can go either way. We all know Matt LaFleur is nine and one following a loss because he lost. Uh, now he's lost back to back for the first time in his career as the head coach for the Packers. Could it be three? And it could be, but it also could just be a blowout win where they everyone collectively grabs their head and gets it out of their ass. With that, that's going to wrap us up for another episode of Lost of Down. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, at Loss of Down, Twitter, down underscore loss. Boys, do you have any parting words to the fans before we dispatch? Yeah, this offseason where, where, like we did, top 10 quarterbacks. We're doing top <laughs> 10 most attractive women. And you're going to get exposed like no other. Is that all time? Is that all time? No. Or is that just right alive. now? Just alive right now. Yeah, I'll I take... was going to say, how do you measure oh, Cleopatra? So... She's number one, of course. Yeah, I, no, I, it's alive right now, and I'll take heyday. If they're alive, I'll take heyday as well. Whatever. Fucking Amy Schumer's probably on your guys. No, we're talking about this this offseason. You're going to get exposed like you did in the first poll where you got like one vote <laughs> out of 50. I'm I we're we're talking but do we have this. to are we doing like a draft system then is that how that works no, I, I, I don't know how that know. plays I just want to know yeah I was gonna that. say I just want to know 2022 I don't know no. how we're yeah no, we're I'll, doing I'll, this. I'll, no I will take time out of my day to get the top 10 oh my god like Sofia Vergara like I said anytime Jennifer Aniston give me J-Lo no I'm done I know off season Margot Robbie off-season. I'm gonna give you I'm not arguing with Margot Robbie I'm okay, giving you, thank you. Yeah, I have no problem with Mario Robbie. I am giving you all off season to think about Dua Lipa. Why, just no. no, you guys even haven't seen Dua Lipa. You don't even know who that is, do you? I do. Uh, she's she's the girl Lipa. that has Dua Lipa the, the, is a she's a sex symbol. She's not attractive. There's she's a, the grinding on the microphone be, wait, at a, how a, how a concert. Be a sex girl. symbol, but not attractive. I get it if you said Lizzo's a sex symbol. Not Britney attractive. Spears was a sex symbol for 20 years. I don't find her that attractive. Well, yeah, also not agreed. anymore. She's been ran through. Madonna has well, been a sex symbol for 60 years. I don't find her attractive. Right also now, great. you can't tell me she wasn't. Even then. Uptown I, girl, she wasn't good looking. I, I'm sorry. Right, I'm out. Uh, no, we're off season. Prepare the points. No, let's do it right fucking now. <laughs> I can't, I, I'm not prepared to go into 10. I, I, I just I can't, can't believe that we're looking at Carrie Underwood. And there's any kind of argument over her hotness. That's what First the part all, is for here. She's hot, but if she you're gonna like, choose, so if you're going to choose a, a 50 year old woman with a like at all, and it's not some Hyatt, you're wrong. So like, I don't, I don't want to talk. Oh, like, thank I just you. Don't, what about I, Penelope I, Cruz? I need you to think about this. I need you. To what about, about Brandy Love? <laughs> yeah, you're getting Corey Chase naturally. Come on. <laughs> Whoa, Corey Chase. I, I that was just a, a name. Madison Ivy's definitely A1 though. Kendra Lust? Yeah. Now oh you're losing. Oh my god. Until now next week, we're lost of down. No, I didn't even get to see my thing. Twister 2 is coming out. We're lost of down. We're sponsored by Pornhub, apparently. Twister 2 is coming out. That's going to be the next uh, little sponsorship. Don't worry about it, though. (laughs) Yeah, we, we will not.